The regular ninjing is alright, but I'd like to be on just a sick marketing team. <laughs> Falls on Austin, Texas. Casting shadows on Matthew's back porch. The fireflies are blinking their sexy Morse code to us, telling us great mysteries of the universe. We'll interpret for you, the listener, tonight on One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. This being episode 171 in which Matthew and Shaper will explore some explore some wordplay and word use with a episode of Widomitis. We'll have uh, other favorite segments, segments, some news cruises. I'm sure we'll have some minutia and uh, and we'll have a poem as we search for community, comedy and comfort here in our modern world. First let us welcome. He's bringing a known quantity of children's folk rock to a known place for an unknown reason. He's Matthew Rampy. <clears throat> Once upon a time I was casting a pod, Schaefer taking poems apart. Nothing I can do, a total podcast of the heart. I'm going to try to really shorten the parody also. Yeah? Yeah, you know, I was remembering the origins of the parody, describing it to somebody the other day, and then and I, I wanted to just be a ditty. I like, I don't have to write a space opera. Yeah. Every time. Um <laughs> I'm a fan of the space opera. Well, but sometimes I understand the appeal of brevity also. People like brevity. We want them to keep listening. So, let's let's get this podcast going. Hey, except that we don't have any topics. Hey. Oh, wait. Okay. We we, we got fireflies. Topics. Man, the fireflies really are abundant and going off right about now. Oh, there's a, one like right there. We got a we got we got a fresh cut lawn that, is what we got. That guy wants to be on the cast. One uh, magical hour. Come here, sir. Can you tell us more about your bioluminescence? This dusk in autumn in Austin, Texas, smells like fresh cut grass because Matthew mowed the lawn. There's a little Matthew's minutia for you. Well, from Schaefer's mouth. There was there was a quite a bit of rain in May, and uh, I had mowed the lawn on a Thursday, and then there was a bunch of rain, and I was really mad because the lawn was kind of looking like garbage. Like the following Tuesday. And now I've waited a whole another Tuesday. So I, you know what's really messed up, man? Tell me that somehow my happiness—not happiness, maybe—my my feeling good about myself, my self-esteem is somehow tied up in the shape of my lawn. Oh, or you're just old, like man. yeah, yeah, I guess so. You're an, but you're an old white dude. Yeah, I, I just I have to look at it, you know. And, uh, I or, like, I like, for, grown up person who I, cares like, about I like for it to be, it's, I don't do a lot. I don't water. You don't have to do. I don't fertilize. Particularly. Um, I, I pull weeds. I don't use any kind of 
herbicides and really all I do is just cut it and sometimes we're, rarely get out the weed whacker to do the edges. We're right on the edge of a part of there's in the eastern part of Texas. San Antonio is kind of included too. Really, it's like Houston is it's really true. Is this te- is this Texasity? There's a whole kind of south coastal plain where you can man just almost anything grows here. Yeah, in Houston you'll be driving along and like on the on our freeway median you'll see a palm tree next to a pine tree. You well, know? Houston is a far more fertile than right here, but yeah. This is on the side of Austin where the Blackland clay begins, and and there is a lot of yeah. fertile. Austin is right on the edge. Yeah, of that. I mean, the Balcones Fault is kind of like the boundary between some of that space, between that kind of western desert, more deserty. Yeah, but you're talking about fertile. Amy's over in Mississippi. It's like. Sure. So green and lush there. She was yeah. talking about how pretty it looks right now. And it really recalibrates your idea of uh, what's green. And we come back over here from there. And, and this place seems like old scrubby. Mm-hmm. Trees seem like small and scrubby. But if you come from Lubbock, this, this seems like uh, Angie's son said it the best. He called it the Garden of Eden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was comparing it to Lubbock. That was after his first year at Tech. Um, okay, we're podcasting. Feels like podcasting. My Mississippi can be very, you know, when Ben Murphy and I moved up to New York City, we drove up there, we one-shot it, the U-Haul. We drove a straight, you know, napping in the cab when the other person was driving. This is from Houston. Yeah. You moved up to to New York with Ben Murphy? Mm-hmm. Okay. He was living in Houston at the time. Uh-huh. And when we, we hit, we left kind of late in the evening. We pulled out of Houston and probably 10 o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night. And we hit, so we hit Mississippi. We cut through the northern part of Mississippi right around dawn. And there, there's this fog that had risen up and then the, Pine trees were sticking up out of the fog. So it just looked like an alien landscape. It was so cool. Right at dawn, it was just like glowing inexplicably. Mm. These big ghostly pine trees were sticking up out of the fog, casting weird shadows. It was really something. Pine trees uh, pine trees are something else. I, I look, Right then, just for a minute, you reminded me of uh, Uncle Rico telling old stories, which, <laughs> which reminded me of our old foe, Choo Choo Express. Oh, Choo Choo. Wh- whom I I kind of, um, oh, how do you say it? I kind of levied an accusation at uh, a listener, mm-hmm. uh, Ben's brother, Andy, Andy Bays. I thought it was Andy. Now, I saw Andy uh, over the weekend. We played a little disc golf and... Um, I confronted him about being Choo Choo Express. He mentioned the podcast, and uh, he swears he is not Choo Choo Express. Wow. And so that mystery continues. Wow. I thought, I thought I knew who it was. If it's not Andy, I have no idea. I guess it doesn't matter, but it is an early it doesn't matter, like, thing where somebody was interacting with us on the interwebs. It's a and funny we mystery. Didn't, we didn't know who it was. 
and said, oh, this podcast is kind of like Uncle Uncle Rico sitting back talking about the good old days or something, right? Well, we'll have to reread that Chuchu Express uh, <laughs> review. Well, you can read it yourself. Uh, just go to the reviews section of Apple Podcasts and scroll on down to one of the first few reviews and somebody concealing their true identity, calling themselves Choo-Choo Express, gave us, I mean, it wasn't like a scathing review, but it was, uh, it had backhanded compliments at, at the least. So, well, he did have, he had us at like two or three stars and then he, oh yeah. Oh, and then he changed the stars and then we started talking about him and then, okay. That was our first. The diabolical Mister Choo Choo Express. That, that should have been our first indication not to implicate the listeners in the show. <laughs> but I mean, I think we've gone. I think we've gone beyond that, haven't we? There's no show without the listeners, is there? Of course there is. Uh, uh, that reminds me of something. Well, it reminds me of the call from the Poconos. So whatever you want to talk about, yeah. let's just get back to that. Go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to shout out our Discord page once more. Uh, currently... Shafee, what is Discord? Discord is a it's a cool little... <laughs> it's I, I've it's never a social media thing, but it's, it's really just for... You know, you don't... You don't post pictures of your breakfast on there and... You know, posts. Uh, it's just you. You pick certain things that are actually in your interest, and you exchange written comments with people about that interest. Or you know, we also you know we posted the uh, the the video of uh, the gang shooting off fireworks in the Poconos. There, I put the picture of the uh, Blue Jays championship ring on there. Yes, I saw that on the other side. It's a good place to meet up, and uh, it's if you just search for one magical hour on Discord, you can uh, you can get involved. Do you have to? Do you have to have an account though? Right. Yeah, you have yeah. To, you have to get the Discord app, or well, you get the Discord on your computer. Okay, I guess I'll go sign up for something else, mainly so that I can get their junk emails. But it's it, no, I mean they're really they're really a good company. They're they're one of the ones created to kind of counteract the bad ones. So, yeah, you know, maybe it's no Mastodon. Okay, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm always rooting for these one of these guys to just catch fire, and suddenly everybody leaves Zuck. Discords. Because <laughs> that guy works really well. That guy's Zuck. Yeah, so we Zuck? made a made a little phone call on Saturday. Didn't oh we? man, I just listened back to that episode, and uh, I was I, I think I didn't know how to act. You know? <laughs> like live people were excited about the podcast, but it was it wasn't just that. It was almost like we had set it up for them. Like they they played it so cool. Yeah, and and they just. I, I mean, they, they were possibly in full flow already. They they so, actually did a really good job of cycling through. Like everybody got to talk, and you know, like they they definitely they contacted me the next day, and they were like, you know, basically like 
they said we got the fear, you know. Oh, they we, were gripped with the fear. Yeah, you, we like we don't know what we said. We know that like a bunch of drunk people yelling is the most annoying thing in the world. We're afraid that's what we did. And I was like, guys, you know, first of all, we never edit anything. But second of all, I will double check it for you and make sure that there's nothing. There was nothing egregious. I, I, we got off of it too quickly. Listening yeah. back, I, I think yeah, I was. To to I think longer. I think that I was afraid of the drunk people yelling part of it. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know. I, I, that we, there was no way to really control the conversation, uh, but I should have let it go on longer because it was, it was really good radio. I, I was, as we were doing it too, I couldn't tell what was going to come through in the recording and it was fine. Yeah. Like I could hear them yeah. fine and dandy. Um, so boy, thanks to, thanks to Lindsay, Tom and Jason and Grammy and Grammy. Man, y'all uh, are my, sorry, everybody else, but y'all are my new favorites. <laughs> and Jason will uh, will definitely get on the podcast again soon to, I've been wanting to have a, a movie a movie cast with him, but also talk music. Can we talk about movies that came out 12 years ago plus? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> because I realize I am so far behind. <laughs> So ridiculously far behind in, in just pop culture in general, just content out there in general. You know, people keep saying, have you seen Succession? Don't you just love Yellowstone? Uh, <laughs> what else is something very popular I have not seen? Uh, Game of Thrones? I have not seen Game of Thrones. I, I sh I'm going to start watching Game of Thrones and I'm going to be like, ah, have you guys seen The Red Wedding? <laughs> I only mention Game of Thrones because, like, even my dad's seen that one. Well, I only mention it because I am getting tragically behind, and i i want I want to care, and I want to watch these programs. But Godfrey Daniels, I do not have it in my schedule. I'm I'm keep I'm keeping up with just a few little things, you know. It's fun to me when I notice when I'm going through, like, I, I have Amazon Prime and Netflix. And I me me as well, but we don't have Hulu and we don't have HBO. Yeah. Um. And if we did, there would be we would. What's the point of that? Oh, but well, you do have Apple TV, don't you? I have Apple TV. Yeah. What did I, I got Apple TV because of Ted Lasso? Yeah. And I've kept it, and I've enjoyed some of the programs on there. Are you up to date on Ted Lasso? Uh, pretty well up to date. I think there's like, I think the finale was like. It came out tonight. Maybe, maybe, oh, I, maybe right, I've got yeah. a maybe I've got a couple episodes left in the season. Right, I got pretty far into it. Uh, I read this hit piece on it the other day. Uh, you know, saying that Time for somebody to hate on it, jump the shark. It's not what it was. It's it's not funny. Um, they may be right. It, it's not as funny as it first was, but. I feel like I'm invested in the characters and yeah. I, I just, I still love the whole concept of surprise, surprise, a bumbling American who <laughs> through just force of sheer cheerfulness succeeds in life. That's yeah. how, that's how the Blue Jays got to the top. You almost, uh, you almost feel like there could be a show about a, uh, about an Austin, Texas little league coach who goes and 
coaches professional baseball in Japan or something. Dude, <laughs> dude, a little league coach movie. I think that's what the world needs right now. But gone pro. Oh no! So you would you would have to you you go and you coach a professional critic cricketing team. Hey, don't tell me what I have to do. I know what I have to do. It's in my heart. Well. I just believe. No, I'm kidding. Yes, I actually, I actually do need you to give me a roadmap. Who's the who's the creative force behind this TV show? And texted that we're producing. No, no, no. I need you to storyboard it for me, please. Man, I can. I tell you, I can come up with ideas for shows and movies and novels all day long. It's actually writing. Oh, the execution! Never do anything. Don't call it execution for nothing. I don't. That's why I only write poems because. Well, because I have profound ADD. Well, that's why I only do podcasts, because I can't prepare for anything. Have you seen my house? <laughs> house is beautiful. Shambles. I live in a Havel. Um, Talking about movies, uh, I've been listening to Karina Longworth's You Must Remember This podcast. Okay. She talks about the secret history of Hollywood's first century. Uh, and last season she did erotic 80s. She did the erotic movies of the 80s. Erotic movies of the 80s? And then this season... Was uh, was nine and a half weeks? Oh, you bet it was. Yeah. Uh, this, But this season last is... Last Tango in Paris? Yeah. Oh, that whole thing, it all kicks off with Last Tango in Paris, which is technically to, 70s. Trying, but... trying to think of ones that just spring to mind. Yeah. Uh, Mannequin? Mannequin. They might have mentioned mannequin and briefly in passing. Uh, but this season they're doing erotic nineties, and so a lot of those like are just right on, right in my wheelhouse. Like Madonna and Willem Dafoe and Body of Evidence. Oh, all of the Madonna stuff. All the Madonna stuff. You know that's like Madonna, like. I grew up with Madonna. Like Madonna helped me understand my orientation at a young age. Being, yeah. <laughs> my first, like, listen to this song on the radio, but don't tell your parents song was Madonna's Like a Virgin. Also, I didn't know what a virgin was. Oh. But you, <laughs> but you heard it. Um, but I knew that that song. Often, right? I knew that song slapped. Uh, yeah, sure. That you know, the fact that it was something that I heard in church and Madonna was singing about it just just made the whole thing even more fucking confusing. Fascinating, pretty <laughs> fascinating. Uh, Tell me more, Madonna. But then, yeah, you know, then I grew up with, and then you know, nineteen ninety, I was you know, I was fifteen. That's when, like, Truth or Dare comes out. I went to see Truth or Dare with my Aunt Stephanie. Um, Whoa. Yeah. You're a very cool Aunt Stephanie. Yeah, definitely. And I remember she had a personal trainer, and she had mentioned to the personal trainer that her and her nephew went and saw it, and he was scandalized. Is that your mom's sister? No, it's my dad's sister. Mm -hmm. Dad's dad's youngest sister, Stephanie. Uh Like, one... Kind of closest to me in age, and definitely. Did you say you were traumatized? No. Oh, not at all. Right. I was. I was totally rolling with it at that. T- at that point, I was pretty sure that I was cool, and I knew more than most adults, anyways. So. Right. I was dressing in flannels. Mm. 
you know, even in the dead of summer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And man, I, I was cool. I, was, I remember. I, 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 I was, I, I was met, Peak Schaefer. <laughs> I met you when you, when you were like, was it, I don't know, 15? Driving my poor parents completely insane. 15 or 16. I had, do you want to introduce a new section, Schaefer's Profound Regrets? If, if you call it segments, then yes. A new, a new segment. Schaefer's Profound Regrets. Schaefer's, what keeps Schaefer up late at night thinking that he did all wrong? Go on. Uh, <laughs> Everybody wants to hear this one. This I, is an interesting one. I've been wanting to talk about This is really a weird... because uh, I'm that little gif of Michael Jackson eating popcorn ready for the movie. My... Go on. Our two, two of our very biggest fans are Nicholas and my dad. And this is kind of a weird thing for me because Nicholas was part of this uh, theater camp. You know, I was, I was raised Catholic. Mm, and I, I was... I was told that I wasn't allowed to do a whole lot of things. So by the time I hit teenage, my teenage years, I had pretty much given up on adults entirely and decided that I pretty much would have to lie about everything to ever get to do anything. Uh-huh. And it was not, it was all on me. Like there's no, no adults are to be blamed for this, you know? Okay. This was me thinking everything. Every problem was bigger than it was. Everything was more serious than it was. Mm-hmm. Every, you know. And and Nicholas and my dad kind of represented two sides of, of that push and pull for me. Mm. We met Nicholas at UT Theater Camp. And then that was like just the height of my full-out war with my parents. And like one of like the biggest regrets of my life. I confused my poor father horribly. I was trying to get them to let me go leave the family. Like, the family was doing one thing for Thanksgiving. I was trying to let them, let me go do something else, go to Austin for Thanksgiving week and not not do it with the family. And there's all sorts of reasons why parents would not let their kid do this. Sure. But this is senior year of high school. Yeah. Just turned 18. But I lied to my dad, and I told him that Nicholas was terminally ill. And it Whoa. was just one of the worst things that I've ever done. Whoa. <laughs> and I still feel bad about it. And it was a horrible thing to do to my dad and a horrible thing to do to Nicholas. And I'm so glad that Nicholas pulled through. Oh, so, All right. Don't. 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 Uh, and... Maybe I just misunderstood. I, like a lot of apologies, a lot of a lot of apologies to everybody involved. Did and you, then, you obviously told Nicholas that when you got to Austin, you were like, "Hey, no, I didn't get to Austin." Oh, you, you didn't, didn't let get me go. To, no. Oh, he still didn't let you go. Yeah, and right, you know, when did when did he find out that that was a fabrication? Oh, he's probably just learning right oh, now. To be boy. honest, oh boy. No, I think he always kind of knew. <laughs> I feel um, very uncomfortable. Why do people always implicate me in shit like this? Like, uh, <sighs> but you know, we we Listen, all have we all do we all have those things we that keep are, us oh up. Oh man, we all we, we all did things we regret, and or you know, did not do things that we deeply, deeply regret. So it was it was listening to that erotic nineties 
about Madonna that kind of set me off on this whole thing, you know, just thinking about uh, another really funny thing that happened in that time period. You know, this time period where, like I said, I thought I knew everything. I remember. And I thought everyone else was wrong. Yes. And, you know, I know I know everybody goes through this, but I feel like I had a particularly bad case of it. Uh, you kind of had the, <laughs> the lock on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or you did it in a way that was unmistakable. And... No, nope. I, I mean you. You were I was so. A, I was good. a snarling beast of a teenager. You were so good at being too cool, like you made that process better than everybody else's for sure. Uh, yeah, which which is not a good. But the important thing to remember is that that's not a good process. I, I mean, I, I, I alienated mean, myself no, from a lot of people, no, and I no, missed out on a lot no, of things. No, anyway, I disagree. It's, it's a developmental <laughs> stage. You you were being you. Don't don't have regrets about that. A lot of the time you were right. Those people were stupid, and you were cooler than them, including myself. Um. So another funny thing that happened in that time period. I was. We were going to go to my my mom and dad and I were going to go to a movie. Yeah. And uh, so I you know doing knowing everything that I knew about movies. And having read all, everything about movies, I found this movie called Whispers in the Dark with Annabella Shiora okay. and Alan Alda. <laughs> and, okay. it, and it was Hitchcockian. And my parents are like, oh, Hitchcockian movie. We love Alan Alda. MASH, right? Mm. And we all go see this movie together. This, <laughs> this is a total like psych, psychological sex uh, thriller. And there is like that sounds perfect to watch with your parents. But there's just straight up, straight up BDSM confessions and c cutting in this movie. Oh, cutting! Well, <laughs> I mean, because you would rather feel pain than nothing at all. I guarantee you, there were things that all of us learned from uh, that oh, movie. I see. I see. <laughs> <And> definitely <laughs> the fifteen-year-old who thought he knew it all was <laughs> sitting there like, ah, I didn't know everything. <laughs> But did your uh, parents try to talk to you about any of those topics like after the movie? No. Okay. No. Because we didn't talk about anything in my family no. really either. So good. Dad Dad did the like eighth grade sex talk with me. Um, you know, kinda like after you pretty much knew everything, but you also still needed to hear it. You know I don't think I ever heard it from a, a father figure. Yeah. I, I think they just Knew that it was being explained at school, and that was good enough. To this day, my we, mother we has not said the word "sex" in front of me. So. Oh, oh. <laughs> that surprises me because your mom is very open and forward about some things. Yeah, I see. Interesting. Yeah, very Catholic about other things. I see. Which is, you know, sometimes that's the way you want your mom to be. I'm not. I'm not dying to have extended conversations. <laughs> yeah, with my mother, they want a lady in the streets, but a freak in the bed. I mean, not the mom, but you know, but you know what I'm talking about. Who does? Matthew does. <laughs> oh, that's an Ursher uh, lyric. I mean, come on. Maybe that didn't apply. Go on. Go. Is this? 
Is this segment? Is this the best segment ever? What's it called again? (laughs) Things that keep Schaefer awake at night. Things that keep Schaefer (laughs) awake at night. That's not what I said. I said something about regrets. Um, you know what I was thinking that we could do on this podcast sometime soon, maybe sooner than later. Oh, so whispers in the dark. Seven avocados. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, Did we have a Whittemwiss here? We do. Okay. Well, we learned that we learned that Gonzo means bringing an unknown quantity. No, bringing a known quantity to an unknown location. Did we define Gonzo on the last episode? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was mostly. I just wanted to call back Gonzo. So, what do you? What does it mean, and why do we say it, Matthew? What does it mean to you if I said my attitude was sanguine or I was sanguine about our prospects? Well, I know about this, Shafi. Because because there's the um there's this really pseudoscientific personality test that categorizes people into um phlegmatic melancholic sanguine or there's one other interesting and i i am sanguine personally which is like say say the phrase again that you wanted me to i'm sanguine about my prospects you, you you're you're optimistic about your prospects you're it you're, does. you're, it you're, means... you're, you're, you're happy it means positive. Now, to me, when I've looked at this word over the years, I've always thought sanguine, you know, sangre. Sangre means blood. True. And so I always thought, like, yeah. prospects are bloody. I've always assumed that that was a negative, or for most of my life, I assumed that that was a negative word. It's like sangre de podcast. Yeah. Which is exactly. the blood of the podcast. This is a pretty bloody podcast <laughs> tonight, let me tell you. Sanguine, though, means positive. And so I was looking. (laughs) A lot of attention is also being devoted to the development of vaccines to prevent general herpes. Although not everyone is sanguine about the outcome. (laughs) Okay. That's such a great example. At first I thought you were reading a a pharmaceutical ad. (laughs) But then bloodthirsty sanguinary... Attacked by the sanguine warriors of neighboring lands, it, accompanied by or evolving or related to bloodshed, like I I don't understand yet, like why bloodthirsty or blood red. I guess you know, just over the years, you changed to optimistic. You're you're sanguine, that means you're going to go into the battle and you're, and you're bloodthirsty and you're going to shed blood and you're going to win. But. Let me suggest this. This is like a rosy disposition. And sometimes one's countenance when they are positive is red. Like they're, they're, bl- they're flushed. Their blood is close to the surface. And uh-huh. you think about like a, a jolly person, like a, 
you know, like a jolly Scottish guy who's red in the face and red in the nose. I don't know. I, uh, maybe, or maybe, maybe like a reference to the color red. I don't know. Um, man, I, I know people tune in just to hear me speculate about, <laughs> about stuff I don't really know about. Um, you mean words like sanguine? <laughs> exactly. Um, sanguine. Well, I'm I glad that we took a closer look at that word. I I'm sorry that um, that it, it was. It's, hopefully, it's, it's cleared up for me. Hopefully, I won't get it confused again. <laughs> yeah, I remember that personality test very well because I don't know. It was probably. 17 or 18 and it was just like in a reader's digest or something and we all sort of took it in the family and my my grandmother was familiar with this particular kind of personality test because she had taken it with her husband my grandfather years before and um you know my test results come out sanguine and my mom says oh i would have thought you were melancholic and my grandmother was like no i know that he's sanguine and I don't know, <clears throat> that's kind of convoluted with like my upbringing with my mom. And, and it's, it's interesting that she would say that, boy, this episode got real for everybody. I hope the listener, it, it got real for them too. I wanted to say one more thing about, you know, the Nicholas and my dad spectrum. Uh, yeah. Like I, say more. I, I, when I presented to you first, I kind of made it all about me. Uh, well, this, and I think that... I mean, that's why people come to the podcast. But I would like them. to point out that the reason that I don't consider myself fighting between these two, uh, you know, left and right or, you know... Good and bad. Good and bad, whatever. I would never would have qualified it that way, but... Fighting with what I what I, I perceive to be these opposing forces. How would the Catholic Church? The uh, it's it's as much to do with them. Like they both Nicholas and my dad helped me realize that we're all part of this same. You know, spec. It's not a spectrum. It's a it's a flat a continuum. Continuum. Yeah, yeah. and we're we'll, we're all part of the same game. And that's like that's not something that needs to be fighting each other and I realized you know they're both since they're both super nice people and super care about me I was able to come to the understanding that you know we're all in this together and that I didn't really have to fight anymore and I, I owe that to them to both of them and the fact that they're both still around despite you know <laughs> well okay wait wait shitty hold things on. that I've done Let, let's parse this <laughs> just a little more carefully at the time you were having trouble with your parents because uh, now I'm, I'm just spitballing at this point, but your, your parents wanted a certain amount of order. Yeah. Right. And you were drawn to chaos. And I was about as chaotic as they come. Yeah. And you know, okay. You, you didn't want to put good and bad on it, but you could put order and chaotic on it. A, a, a few days in Austin at the Thanksgiving break, was going to be a lot more fun and chaotic than spending time with your family. And your parents were at a point in their experience with you where 
they were just they were gonna have to let go of the vine, you know. And and that as being a parent of like a, I got a twelve year old now, and so I got to I got to do that. Not not too long from now. Um, but the Matthew, the most they were trying to keep me safe. Of course, and I <laughs> well about order. They wanted order, which is safety. You know, it all like when I as soon as I became a teenager, I like supernova into like when I was thirteen years old. I hopped on my bike and tried to ride it from Houston to Austin for a road trip. I really wanted to go on a road trip, so I tried to do it on a bicycle. Um, I actually made it. 45 miles down the road to Sealy. That's not bad. <laughs> not too shabby. When the cops picked me up. I see. Anyway, that, you know, and after that, I understand them that I couldn't be trusted. I couldn't even be trusted yeah, yeah. with a bicycle. Well, look, we're not. Because I might go riding off into another town. You're, you're, so. you're making this assumption that I'm saying that your parents' orderliness was somehow wrongheaded, and it wasn't. They were, they were doing their job as yeah. parents, and. And Nicholas was doing his job as a new friend, showing you the world. So I don't. That's Here's doesn't, both doesn't both. all of it seem like all as it should be, right? Yeah. In no, the I, in the yeah, end, that's what that's right. that's what you were trying and to that's say. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Is that in the end, it was all part of the human experience, and um, yeah, there. You know, you. I'm appreciative of anybody in my life, be they family friends, business partners, acquaintances, or whatever, who have stuck with me, you know, kind of through thick and thin. Yeah, it's hard being a parent because there's all that, and and, the, and there is that conflict with your kids, and I mean, it's the right thing for your kids to leave the house and, and do their own thing, and that's hard for everybody at times, so. Oh, well, boy, this is a heartwarming episode. This is like a Hallmark Harm, Hallmark miniseries of my, my heart is warm. I don't know what the rest is. Uh, I definitely, you're the right friend to talk to about it. You know, as being and, a the, and the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. Let's go on to. Uh, um. We can't. We, we should can move on. Are yeah, absolutely. On? Um. A couple things I wanted to say. Here's uh, Shafi. Have you ever wondered, Shafi? Why does it things like why does it seem like things over time have gotten better, but now also seem to be much worse? And the thing that made me think about that was I was watching just before the podcast. I was watching this uh, this ABC show on the sixteen nineteen project, which is all about really truthfulness and discovering Black American history, you know, mm-hmm. and the. Uh, uh, the author of the book of the same name, you know, uh, um, there's just all these truths. So, so here's, so what I'm, what I'm seeing here is like, we're, um, America's having a racial reckoning and I love it. I think it's great. I, I remember feeling from a very young age, very bad about the racial situation in America. And, so it's so great to to for things to come to light and for us to learn truth about things and yet like oh man it's it's uh the intensity of the emotion you know and 
and just you know the extreme polarity in america talking about order and chaos you know like on so many fronts there's there's this push and pull of like well things are kind of better here but in this other way they're more chaotic and crazy and uh like like in a way with all kinds of like safety things like we're more safe than we've ever been and yet with the prevalence of mass shootings we're less safe it feels like we're less safe than we've ever been and again gosh you know all those wars we fought to end all wars and then it just keeps rolling on <laughs> that is astounding to me yeah, yeah. And, you know, people know they're going to die from cigarettes, and yet people are still really smoking cigarettes. In 1990, you know, I would have told you that it would be impossible for America to get into a war, you know? Yeah. I and mean, I really, in my mind, Western culture was post-war. Yeah, well, it turns out that might have just been, like, part of the uh, And then we ended the up company a war line. that lasted the rest of my life, <laughs> yeah. and it's still going on. Yeah. Oh, well, I just wanted to bring up that miasma on the podcast. Uh, uh, I think part of it is it's just it's always this way, right? We're always going to have things that are wonderful about human life and things that are tremendously problematic about human society. I, that doesn't mean I think I don't think, though, that we should give up. I think there well you know it my opinion on the uh the benefit of technology in the modern world but uh you know there's been times you know in the 90s we uh, american culture decided that it was post racist and then realized that that was entirely wrong yeah you know yeah uh and you know it's something that's that's still not fixed and i hope that you're right i hope there is a reckoning happening also, you know, I hope that, you know, things can really change very fast from generation to generation. You know, if you look at, you know, our culture's relationship with homosexuality, you know, just 30 years ago, or I mean, 20 years ago, even, you know. But that's another arena in which things seemed like they were getting better and now things are regressing. And I... Or, I, or, or at least the... The opposition to these cultural, what we were thought were becoming norms, uh, you've got people actively fighting against them. I tooth, think tooth as, and nail. as all of the tribes intermingle, <laughs> I feel like the pendulum swings not as far each direction as it swings back. Is and this forth. part of our D and D game? <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, but but we'll see. Like you know, there's you know. Even after, like, even if all of the races intermingled and everybody looked the same, there would still be social inequality. Um, there would still be, there would be still be issues with sexuality. Yeah. You know, there's. Well, maybe we would just find something else to squabble about. Yeah. Um, well, you got to save this podcast with a poem. You know what I, I did? I started to say something a minute ago, and then I forgot about it because I was like, "We gotta really take it down a notch here and make it sadder." Would you say you're saying about this podcast? Um, the cast or the episode? <laughs> uh, I'm sanguine about the podcast. I'm doubtful about the episode. 
But sometimes still the woods were doubtful about her the best ones. I know. It's entirely possible this is our best ever. Okay. Because we have no sense of self. Know thyself said no. Shafee and Matthew said no. No, I won't know myself. Um, Let's go back to Sharks in the Rivers. I encourage everybody to take a look at that 1619 project. Fascinating. True. Let's just have a truthful look at the past. You jerks. Edelamon. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, what I was going to suggest is that on this poetry podcast, we do a poetry episode where we, instead of just reading a poem at the end, we read a few poems and we really talk about them. All right. We, we talk We talk about our interpretations of them and maybe we talk about... Um, if how we may, had a how famous feel? knowledgeable poet to have that conversation <laughs> with us. You're talking about Ada? <laughs> I would, I would I not mean, necessarily. I, There's a I'm, bunch of bunch of other ones too uh, okay, that we haven't called okay. yet. Like Brendan Lorber. Brendan Lorber. That would be fun. It would be I, fun to get I, Maureen Thorson I'm on the so phone. I'm so starstruck around Ada. I, I'm not. I don't. I can't keep it cool. <laughs> you're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Not that I'm not starstruck by just about everybody who we talk to on the podcast, but go on. Oh, I just remembered what we need to use is the drop, um, <laughs> which they will have heard already. Okay. We'll record it after we wrap this up. Okay. Ada Lamon from her book, Sharks in the Rivers. This poem is called Paseo del Bosque. I saw myself by the Rio Grande, watching a crane swoop down over the collection pond. I was the fish in the drainage ditch, you, the crane's scissoring shadow. There are whole areas of that river where you can still hear drumming. There is a group of trees you can walk in and say, people live here. When we met, I was too young to walk. I wore a button that said, boys are a piece of cake. I had a dream I was surrounded by butterflies until they stung me over and over. I woke up and had the word mariposa in my mouth like bad water. I saw myself on the river's edge, sinking in the rapids, the brown water like liquid clay. I was under the cottonwoods forever. I was under the sagebrush like a stuck bird. I heard you could take the sand from a red anthill, suck on the grains, and put them back wet. The ants would carry your worries away. Every day I put more sand in my mouth, and every day I woke up with a buzzard outside my window. I have done my duty here. I have sucked my own mouth dry. I am the only ant carrying my own sand, and it's too heavy even for the current of the Rio Grande. Uh, I have a confession to make. Sometimes when we're doing the podcast, when we get to the poem, I tune out a little bit. I'm thinking about the dumb, all the dumb things we said, and I'm thinking about what I have to do when I shut the computer down or whatever. And I made I made an, a point to be really present. And man, that what, was what a poem. A very uh, what a poem. Very profound images. She and... always just really gets you right into nature 
And once again, weirdly appropriate for our cast. I don't was it? Oh, that keeps happening. Uh, <laughs> was your story? Were you like the ant? You told the story. Maybe you were like the ant chewing. The every ant? every listener of One Magical Hour is the ant, and then <laughs> putting dirt in their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about the advantages of being a, an insect. You know, you're strong. Strong. And you have an exoskeleton. Exoskeleton. And really, I think insects have a better sense of how consciousness is like one Collective, thing. Yeah. You know, we're a little too, maybe humanity's taken it a little too. Maybe the singularity. We're a little too up our own Maybe asses. the singularity's going to fix all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Singularity uh, will remove our heads from our asses. Uh, we've got some new listeners. Um, we've got Matt Parkerson, who says he's going to listen from the beginning. I don't think he's going to get through it as quick as Nicholas, so I feel like I'm going to shout him out, and he's going to hear this in 2025. Welcome, Matt. Get at us Matt on the Parkerson. Discord when you when you do finally hear this. And um, Remember, it was oh, May 31st, 2023. found out somebody else was listening. Gosh, I can't we got believe a, it's already June. We got to call Ellen Ferguson. Uh, hello to Ellen Ferguson. Thanks to the Poconos gang. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Nicholas. Sorry, I hope I didn't uh, call you guys out too much on this episode. Uh, there's some new listeners, too. Um, there's a gang who hangs out. Uh, Jackson is the only name that I can remember. Really nice. Uh, three gals and a couple of guys who hang out at the front page on Sunday nights. Uh, hello to them if they're listening. Oh, yeah. Chris Ordonez said he was listening. Oh, nice. Shout out to Ordonez. Old school. Uh, hello to all of you. And hello hello to the, those of you who have been with us from the very beginning, too. Why do you say old school about Chris Ordonez? Wasn't he a... Love a kid? No, he's a guy that's working with Blue Sky. Oh. <laughs> he's a musician. Uh, you know, he's played at the at your bar before. With the, yes, with the yes, Bob okay, Jones I know thing. who you're talking about. Yeah. You were thinking of Chris Miles, maybe? Sorry, Chris Ordonez. I... No. All right. <laughs> I'm, I've got... I didn't... What, the <laughs> I thought, reason I stopped... I thought, I thought you were a guy that was on the swim team Let, with Evan Bolderag. <laughs> listen, the reason that I stopped you is that I didn't want him to hear his name, and then you go, "Ah, oh, cool, old school," and us go on, and he's thinking, "Did, did they, he just call me old? Do they call me old school?" <laughs> just clarify. Chris, I one hundred percent know who you are. Okay. Thank you for listening. Okay, look forward to talking to you soon. Uh, and the poorer the choices, the older the Chris. Bloody man, the elders were asked to renovate the place.
Yeah, I can rage, oh I can rage into the 